This episode is sponsored by Celestron, manufacturer of high-quality telescopes and an industry leader in developing exciting optical products with revolutionary technologies. I'm Kelly Beattie of Sky and Telescope magazine, and tonight we're going on a tour of the stars and planets that you'll see overhead during September. First, we'll check the calendar for this month's equinox and harvest moon. Then we'll track down the bright planets, explore some lesser-known constellations, and bounce around the summer triangle. It's a great introduction to the late summer sky, all in about 10 minutes. So grab your curiosity and come along on this month's Sky Tour. Ask a stargazer about this month's astronomical significance, and the answer you'll most likely get is the autumnal equinox. This marks the celestial end of summer and the beginning of autumn in the Northern Hemisphere. This year, September's equinox takes place on the 22nd at 9.04 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. At that moment, the sun shines directly overhead at noon as seen from the equator. Days and nights are both 12 hours long, that's where the word equinox comes from, and no matter where you live, the sun rises due east and sets due west. There's another celestial event associated with this equinox, and that's the harvest moon. Traditionally, according to records going back more than 300 years, it's the name assigned to the full moon that falls closest to the autumnal equinox. The harvest moon gets this name from a geometric oddity. Because the lunar orbit makes a shallow angle with respect to the eastern evening horizon at this time of year, the moon rises only about 30 minutes later on successive evenings, not the usual 50 minutes or so that's normal. So it never gets really dark between sunset and moonrise for several successive evenings, a boon to farmers working late trying to harvest their crops at day's end. September's full moon occurs on the 10th, so that means the moon will be in the evening sky for the first half of the month and relegated to late night and pre-dawn appearances for the second half. First quarter is on September 3rd, last quarter on the 17th, and new moon on the 25th. As September draws to a close, watch for a very thin crescent moon to appear low in the west after sunset. The bright planets are scattered all over the morning and evening sky this month. Mercury is too close to the sun to make an appearance. Venus, always brilliant, is very low in the east before sunrise. It's not hard to spot early in September because it rises more than an hour before the sun does, but it loses ground each morning and will be challenging even if you have a totally clear view toward east at month's end. That leaves us with Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, the three brightest superior planets, which have been gradually migrating from pre-dawn visibility earlier this year to locations in the evening sky. Astronomers call these superior because they are farther from the Sun than Earth, and so their orbits are bigger. Using this logic, Mercury and Venus are called inferior planets. Saturn, you might recall, reached opposition, position to opposite the Sun in our sky, in mid-August. And now you can dependably find this ringed wonder in the southeast, low down, as the evening twilight fades. This month, it's Jupiter's turn. The king of planets hits the opposition point on the 26th. After that, and for the rest of 2022, you can watch Jupiter and Saturn gliding slowly westward week by week. 
the moon makes a pass through this part of the sky starting on the seventh when its waxing gibbous disk sits to saturn's lower right then on the ninth when it's midway between the two planets and then on the eleventh when the moon and jupiter rise close together in the east as twilight ends last but certainly not least is mars you'll need to be up before dawn to see it but it'll be worth the effort the red planet is sitting remarkably high in the sky in fact from far southern u s locations like miami mars is not far from directly overhead as the rosy glow of morning twilight builds in the east mars has been slowly creeping up on the bright star aldebaran over the past several weeks and for several days around september seventh these two will be less than five degrees apart the star and the planet are similarly orange-hued and comparably bright though mars is more obvious and they'll be a striking pair as you look up not far below them and a little to the left is betelgeuse anchoring the upper left corner of orion and it too has a pale orange hue with all three so high up here's a great chance to test whether you can detect any difference in their shading if you're more night owl than early riser you can watch mars rise in the east a little before midnight in early september and around 10 p.m at month's end late on the 16th or early on the 17th the last quarter moon joins mars and aldebaran for a showy three-in-a-row sight soon after the sun goes down as evening twilight is fading look almost directly above the sunset point and you'll see a bright star well up in the sky that's arcturus an ancient greek name meaning guardian of the bear in this case the constellation ursa major the big bear which is off to its right by about four times the width of your clenched fist held at arm's length arcturus is a red giant star about 37 light years away when the light you're seeing now left arcturus ronald reagan was the u.s president and cds were just making their debut my how time flies arcturus is the fourth brightest star in the nighttime sky both because it's relatively close by and because it outshines our sun by 170 times now swing your view way to the left and a little farther down by about five fists that warm red-hued star is the red supergiant antares marking the heart of the constellation scorpius if you have a clear view towards south look about three fists to the left of antares for the teapot-shaped stars of sagittarius shift your gaze even farther to the left toward east and take another look at saturn right now it's at the upper left corner of the constellation capricornus which is supposed to represent a quirky creature with the head of a goat and the tail of a fish now despite being so well known as a constellation of the zodiac capricornus consists of fairly dim stars look about one and a half fists to saturn's upper right for a stacked pair of stars that are on the dim side of medium bright Traditionally, these mark the sea goat's head, but I find it easier to make out Capricornus if I imagine those two stars as the right-hand bow of a round-bottomed ship, kind of like Noah's Ark, with Saturn adorning the other bow over on the left. Let's go after some stars that are slam-dunk bright, even if you have a lot of light pollution. Lift your gaze way up to find a bright star that's almost directly overhead. That's Vega it's relatively close as stars go just 25 light years away when the gleam you're seeing right now left vega it was 1997 and bill clinton was president 
and The Lion King was just making its debut. And by the way, Vega plays a big role in the classic science fiction movie, Contact. Now, since Vega is right overhead at nightfall, let's use it to find three nearby, compact, four-sided patterns. The first of these is to Vega's immediate left, toward east. You're looking for a parallelogram about as long as three outstretched fingers. These are the main stars of the constellation Lyra, the Lyre, and Vega is its alpha star. Now look about one and a half fists to Vega's north. This time look for a compact trapezoid with two modestly bright stars and two faint ones, also about three fingers across. This is the head of Draco, the dragon, and its long line of stars snake from the head to form a curving line between the big and little dippers. The third quartet is to the west of Vega. Its stars form a trapezoid that's bigger than Draco's, roughly the size of your clenched fist, but a little dimmer. This is known as the keystone of the constellation Hercules, a great hero in Roman mythology, whose muscular torso and legs are represented by stars splaying out from the corners. Look beyond the keystone toward west, a little more than one fist, to spot a lovely semicircle of stars called Corona Borealis, the northern crown. These star patterns might not be obvious if you have a lot of light pollution, but here's one that'll be unmistakable. Start at Vega and slide your gaze about two and a half fists eastward in the direction opposite Arcturus to a prominent star. That's Deneb. It's roughly a hundred times farther away from us than Vega, but it's still quite the sparkler, isn't it? That's because Deneb is a real powerhouse of a star, pumping out nearly 200,000 times more light than our sun does. Now look for a third bright star, Altair, about three fists to the south of Vega, and four from Deneb. Week by week, this trio of easy-to-spot stars, known collectively as the Summer Triangle, is gradually migrating westward in the sky. If you're lucky enough to live in a really dark location, far from city lights, you'll have no trouble seeing a delicately glowing river of light that we call the Milky Way vaulting high across the sky. That's the combined light of countless stars in our galaxy's midsection. As it turns out, some of its richest concentrations of stars are in the vicinity of Deneb. Can you see a faint glow up there? If you're not sure, try again closer to midnight, when many of the lights have been shut off and Deneb itself is almost directly overhead. If you still can't see the star cloud, you can blame light pollution, which, sadly, has robbed most of us of the chance to see the Milky Way at all. Thanks for letting me expand your celestial horizons for another month. If you want more tips for viewing the night sky, including a free interactive star chart for any time or date, check out our website, skyandtelescope.org. If you haven't already subscribed, you can find this Sky Tour on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And if you've enjoyed listening, please do leave me a rating or review. It'll help spread the word about Sky Tour, and I welcome your feedback. And if you want to explore the solar system and universe more deeply, check out the full line of binoculars and telescopes available at Celestron.com. Sky Tour is a production of Sky and Telescope, a division of the American Astronomical Society, and is produced by me, Kelly Beatty. Next month, we'll spend some time with Cassiopeia and find out why she's so vain. Until then, I wish you clear skies. Clear skies.